0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Jake in the Paint podcast. Today, I'm here with a recurring guest, Sam Herbst, all the way out in Wisco. What's up, Sam?
1: Hey, what's up? What's up? Thanks for having
0: me. Of course, man. This is, I think, the third time you've been on the pod. Yeah. You're at the the top of the leaderboard so far.
1: I mean, being at school, it's a little harder to follow all the NBA stuff and college basketball without as much free time as I had at home. But I think this is going to be a great episode.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So today we're going to cover a little bit of draft stuff since I haven't really talked about that on the pod yet. And with March Madness coming up, Sam and I have a couple of guys who kind of want to throw out there so you guys can keep in mind while watching. And then, of course, we're going to get into some NBA stuff, Sam's self-proclaimed NBA guru. And the league is some teams in shambles, some teams on the rise, and there's just a lot to talk about. So let's get into it. Yeah, I'm ready. Where do you want to start? Um, I, we can start with a little bit of draft stuff because I feel like we can definitely get carried away on the NBA stuff. Yeah, that's and good. I don't want to. I don't want this to run too long. We'll run however long you want, but I do want to get a couple drafts out there. So everyone knows Zion is the consensus number one, but the debate is who comes after that. So I ask you, kind of just get your top five guys out there. Who would be your your top the top five on your big board so far?
1: All right, on um, the Sam Herbst official big board, we I got like it. um Zion one because okay. If slash when the Knicks get the first pick, I think Zion is obviously the top choice. Mm-hmm. Following him, I got to say R.J. Barrett. Saw him play mm-hmm. in high school. Kind of just had that look. Um, I saw Ben Simmons play the year before and or two years before mm-hmm. and kind of just had the same like kind of feel. Looked like yeah. he was yeah. better than everyone on the court. Mm-hmm. Really uh, had a feel for the game that I loved in person. I um, mm-hmm. haven't seen a lot of John Morant, only like the big highlights, but his right. stats are amazing. And as a mm-hmm. point guard in this draft, which as I can see, like doesn't have that many good point guards. Right. Um, John Morant is definitely going to be three on mine. Mm-hmm. And then kind of a late riser who I'm kind of just discovering this year is uh, Jarrett Culver. I love him. 100%. He's, yeah. he's all of 6'5". Yes. Um he is a sophomore, but I I don't think that's a problem anymore. Mm-hmm. Um guys used to be make a big deal about if you're not nineteen, it's not 19. I hated that. I hated that. Um no, I hated that. And he is really impressive when I watched him live. And then mm-hmm. fifth, um, I'm gonna go with DeAndre Hunter. Don't have much to mm-hmm. say. I just like the way he plays. Like for Virginia, he just always has a big impact on the game no matter
0: what. hundred mm-hmm. percent. I like the majority of that board no cam reddish though surprising top five
1: yeah he I love his shooting I love
0: mm-hmm.
1: how he kind of looks like an NBA player already but right it was it was that the sometimes I watch Duke and just like he kind of fades away at times
0: a hundred percent yeah
1: um I don't I, I haven't watched that much Duke to know like how he plays every game
0: mm-hmm. but
1: um I like how he plays I just don't know if I have him in my top five.
0: Right. A hundred percent. I agree. And that's where I would say like, and you a hundred percent don't have the time, maybe necessarily not the interest to watch most of the Duke games to me, there must see TV. So me, I have Zion number one, of course, consensus. People are saying best prospects since Anthony Davis, all that stuff. Maybe even LeBron, people are willing to go back as far of, and just in 2019, when social media presence and marketing is such, it's so key in today's NBA. I mean, you can't even put a value on him. So Uh, he's consensus number one.
1: I agree.
0: And then two, I do have Cam. I'm just – I watch – Duke is must-see TV to me, so I probably watch, like, over 80% of their games. Like, no matter who they're playing, I'll tune in. And since Zion's gotten hurt, and the makes and the misses, like, this is when if, like, you're not really watching and then you tune in, you're like, oh, Cam shot two of uh, of seven from three. Like, it's just – it's hard to judge off the makes and the misses because he's so fluid, man. Like, he makes stuff – that like should not look easy at all. And he just does it with absolute ease. And I think he struggled being that third fiddle with two alphas in RJ and Zion, but the skill is really there. The catch and shoot ability is there and he's an underrated athlete and the finishing is scary. He's about like 40% from two, which is definitely scary. But I think the absolute skill is there if you want to see it.
1: I think there's a world where Cam Reddish becomes a... Not, i mean i'm not gonna say he's gonna be as good as paul george because of right that's that's the unreal, ceiling comparison how unreal pg is playing this year mm-hmm. but there's a world where he's kind of like a rich man's gordon hayward kind 100%. of like a, a scorer who can shoot he's not gonna um mess, like i think his underrated uh defense mm-hmm. is gonna help him like get drafted higher than most people think
0: yeah and then as as you kind of go deeper into the big board and thought like i out a top 30 i'm working on the second version of it, you kind of run into these like debates for two spots, and that job versus RJ, it w- it was like a big debate between for three, and then rj's kind of separated himself. I mean, his performance at the Carrier Dome was incredible, and just his you you said it, you saw it in his eyes. Like, and believe it or not, you were at like that's one of his like biggest moments so far. I know people that are big into the high school game still talk about that when he took over in the last thirty seconds and just willed Montverde to victory over yeah, Roosevelt Catholic. Just an un- he just has that winner. He just wired differently, and so that's why I give him the edge. And then I have Ja at four. I actually caught – Ja was on ESPN about two weeks ago, and I was able to watch that full game. He's really impressive in just, like, the reads he makes and the ball is in his hands all the time, so I wouldn't really worry about – t- I would say the the shooting scares me more than the turnovers in a sense.
1: Yeah, I because mean yeah, – Because yeah, he has the ball in his hands cool, yeah. all the time. I mean, a guy like that, um, playing on a team that like that he plays on, you're gonna right. have to have the ball in your hands for if not the whole game, most of it. And mm-hmm. I I really hope that he gets some national T V time into mm-hmm. March, whether it's the conference tournament or if they win the mm-hmm. uh the March Madness. I just hope that yeah um he gets to showcase his skills like on a national stage.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean and I would I'm not gonna make an excuse, but let's say he had five turnovers in the game that I watched. Like, you could put two of them on his teammates, just not being up to par with like his skill level, and that's just not an issue you run into in the NBA. No. So not at all. that's like. So that's a, that's what I would say about him too.
1: Yeah, that's like when you're playing little league baseball, and the pitcher is just miles better than the catcher, and the catcher <laughs> the is, is pass, get getting, a couple pass balls, he's just getting <laughs> pelted with the ball in the, in the face mask because the pitcher is just <laughs> above how good he is
0: yeah no i mean that's that's pretty much what it is i mean he I've i've seen clips of him throwing lobs and balls just going like through guys hands it's i mean and look does he make a couple bad passes here and there but overall he's a freak and then to my five spot i i really couldn't decide with this one i've been again you run into these debates and i had deandre hunter as my 5a but i wasn't ready to count out Darius Garland as 5b i love his game and he proved himself throughout the summer and on the AU circuit in high school McDonald's games, and we're not talking about like the McDonald's games. Like Nas Little proved himself, which we'll get into that in a little bit. But the practices, I mean, he was clearly the best point guard there, in my opinion. And he's an absolute stud, and I think he's made for the NBA game. The injury was heartbreaking, and you just want to see him compete in college. But I still think his draft stock's not gonna like drop too much.
1: No, no, and especially with with how much guys are playing outside of college basketball, a hundred percent and stuff like that. Well, that I want to ask you while we're talking about guys with injuries and who didn't play this year, what is, what do you think Zion does? What do you think Zion so, should do?
0: I, there, there was a whole, it was a whole thing on Twitter and it was either you were on like three sides of the debate. It was either like, go get the money, stop playing for free. Like, we don't deserve you go to the NBA. That was one side. And then the other side was like, go back. You're a basketball player. This is what you're born to do. And then the other side was like, let Zion make the decision. And as I don't want to seem like I'm ducking your question, but if it makes sense, I kind of have a hand in all three jars. Like I just think I, I do think, and I've been telling people this, I do think he's going to come back because, and Reed and I talked about this last time. There's like, we, sometimes we forget there's such a human aspect to all this stuff, and they're, they're able to mask it more in the pros than they are in college because they know it's a business already. Zion, Trey Jones, RJ Barrett, and Cam have been plotting this national championship run for the past year and a half. So it's just really hard for me to understand. And like, look, if he's hurt and he's not 100%, sit out. But if he's fully healthy, it's just really hard for me to believe that he's going to tell his three best friends, you know what, guys, like, I can't risk re-injuring this, even though it was just a scare and a grade one sprain. I can't risk this. I got to go get my money, have fun trying to win the national championship without me. I don't think that's who he is. And he said it before that he wasn't that kind of guy that was going to sit out. Obviously, that was a freak injury and a really scary incident. But I do think if he's healthy, I do think he'll end up suiting up for Duke again.
1: Yeah, I mean, me personally, I am very strong believer in the fact that Zion should play for Duke this year. Mm -hmm. Um, like, treat it like any other injury. When he's healthy, he'll play. But yeah, you don't you don't go to Duke. To not play, you know, right? One hundred percent. If you're gonna sit out the entire year, go to Wofford. Go. Yep. Stay at home. Um, work out. Don't go to college. Like whatever you gotta do. But if you're gonna go to Duke, he didn't go to Duke for just to say he's going to Duke. He wanted to win the national championship, mm-hmm. and he understands that. Like, playing for Coach K only gets him better. Um, mm-hmm. So, do, is there some people who should be saying, like, Zion stood out? Like, yeah, maybe. If he had an agent who was in his ear, I mean, he doesn't, but if he had someone yeah. who was in his ear talking about his future, how the money just makes sense for him not to play, then it would be like that person is entitled to their opinion. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think Zion definitely plays – Throughout March Madness, um, agreed. I mean, we've seen Duke players go down and out for the year, still be picked number one overall, like Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving. Kyrie Irving, yeah. Um, I was at that game at the Aztec Center. Um, yeah, Kyrie's last college game. But I think, I think there's no reason for him not to play. I, I mean, would. I mean, there is a reason, but it's just.
0: I agree. No, not no, I 100% get it. Is. Yeah, 100% get it. And I, there's one, one more point i want to make before we move on from this i don't want to spend too much time on it but it's definitely a relevant topic yeah that oh my god i i just lost my train of thought i was literally about to make this point um geez a major blanking right now
1: all right well i'll make continue a point talking here. it's going to yeah. come back to me 100 <laughs> percent um continuing with zion i think if he is drafted to the knicks or something or to any team i think um with the Knicks it's not really clear like what kind of style they want to play but right. how do you how do you think Zion's skill set translates
0: um so I'll, I'm gonna answer this and then I I just of course as soon as you started talking I got back my point yeah, that, that's what I um think. so I think the most unique thing about Zion is you can literally plug him in anywhere yeah like he's gonna fit with whatever whoever the Knicks sign in free agency whether it's chris middleton and boogie or Kyrie and kd whoever they get he's going to be able to plug in yeah and i think that's what makes him so unique it's not an rj barrett situation where you need to have him at the two and he needs 18 shots to get his and he needs to get a handoff going to his left like that's a special thing about zion that i think is always going to translate his motor and his athleticism are his two biggest assets which in which aren't going away in the near future so i think yeah, that's where you stand with where you, I stand with him.
1: There's also a world where he gets drafted to a team like the Hawks, and you have Trey Young, Kevin Herder, and Zion just running the floor like lunatics, and Zion yeah, flashing no. to the hoop, and it's really scary the kind of possibilities that you can play with him.
0: 100. percent And if the Knicks, as two Knicks fans, I don't know where you're at, but if the Knicks somehow don't get this first pick, it better be the Hawks. Like if the yeah. Suns are clear, or if the Suns or Calves get him, it. they don't deserve, they don't it. deserve it. Like it's still gonna kill me, but if I'm a, if I'm able to watch Trey Young, Zion, John Collins, and Kevin Herter for the next like eight years um, as a huge Trey Young fan, that's gonna make it a little bit better. Right. But anyways, so my point was, the people that i really have come to dislike is Zion should have never gone to college, because believe it or not, him playing for Duke raised his platform like to a level that we've never seen before with a college athlete. Coming into the year, he was probably number three on most people's boards. RJ was the consensus number one, and I was on that train too. Cam Reddish was consensus number two, and maybe even playing his way into the number one spot. And Zion was kind of just this freak athlete, which we didn't know if he was really skilled or he was just beating up on like low-level private school white kids in South Carolina. Like <laughs> we had no idea. Yeah, literally had no idea. And so I think 24/7 Evan da- or Evan Daniels whoever Evan Daniels, who does the scout rankings, he had Zion at seven in his like top 100. And after the champions, champions classic, he immediately wrote like, I, that was my mistake. We underrated him, but people really didn't know where he was going to be. So for someone to say he should have stayed home and worked out no. like him going to Duke made him this untouchable asset that I think like people in the NBA, I don't even know. Who, I think Giannis is the only guy you would trade for his rights at this point.
1: Um, I don't know about that, but I, I think Zion has definitely made like the right decision, and I think that mm-hmm. for some guys, maybe staying home and working out is like the better move um mm-hmm. like a guy like Mitchell Robinson kind of an unknown um out of out of like the college into the draft he right. really made a name for himself in the league um especially mm-hmm. with the playing time he's getting yeah um but I definitely think I definitely think the marketing aspect mm-hmm. and The like amount of added value Zion can bring a team is much more than basketball.
0: Hundred percent. The other day,
1: um, a club I'm in, we took a trip to the Bucks facility, and Mm -hmm. every guy in the front office who spoke to us revolved around Giannis. Giannis was Mm -hmm. is so much more than the Greek freak on the floor. He is so Mm -hmm. much more than this freak athlete averaging whatever he's averaging, like twenty nine and twelve, whatever it is nowadays. Right. Right. He's this crazy athlete that people pay, pay to see—they sell yeah. out the Pfizer Forum every night. That game against the Celtics, the atmosphere in that arena—like you, you, yeah. you don't get that from just guys being good. You need like that marketing aspect, and mm-hmm. it's hard to put a finger on it. But it, Zion has that.
0: Yeah, the bu- and the Bucks are really really enjoyable this year. Yeah, I mean, man. I know you guys aren't—you're not in Milwaukee, but is there like some Bucks yeah, buzz I watch, around Wisconsin? I,
1: I watch a lot of Bucks. A lot, most of the students here are Bucks fans, mm-hmm. and they're fun. They're really yeah, fun. they're
0: fun to watch. Um, really fun.
1: We love the Bucks here in Madison.
0: Mm-hmm. I love they're to like hear
1: that. Our adopted team. We all have like Bucks jerseys from DH Gate, right? <laughs> and we're adopting the Bucks as our second favorite team.
0: Yeah, love to hear that. And so before we fully move on from this draft stuff, did you have any kind of underrated prospects? Maybe you even caught. You only caught eye of him once, but you're like, damn, like where's that guy in the lottery or the top ten? Any names yeah. that you kinda of feel like are under the radar?
1: Yeah, so this guy, um, Ethan Happ should be a top five pick. Oh <laughs> um, he's the best college player in the nation. No. But um seriously, I think he's not gonna get drafted if he does. He's mm-hmm. gonna be late second round because he can't shoot free throws he can't shoot yeah period. <laughs> um it's really been bothering me recently but yeah. in terms of under the radar prospects I mean not really I think I saw Michigan State play Wisconsin up close um mm-hmm. that was when Nick Ward was healthy right and um Cassius was just out of his mind mm-hmm. so I think he I don't know if he'll get drafted but that's Probably the best player I've seen all year is Cassius. Against
0: Cassius, I'm all right. So I'm so glad you brought him up because I just, and it's such a coincidence because I was just talking about him. We were My friends and I are watching the Michigan State-Indiana game yesterday. Or we we caught yeah, the end of it and we we're talking yeah. about it. And I was just like, how? And they don't, like, I'm more way more in tune with all the draft stuff than they are. But I was like, yo, how is Cassius Winston not anywhere? He's like unbelievable. He's averaging 19 and eight and a half or like 19 and eight. And he shot 50% from three last year and he's shooting 44% from three this year. Like, how is he not anywhere? So I didn't, I didn't want to put him in because if we're talking about underrated, it's like maybe other people have him at 60 and I would have met 40, like right. 35, but that's not really the kind of names people want to hear. But yeah, I'm really glad you brought him up.
1: So him, Carson Edwards killed, killed us. Right. Um, And, and like, these big 10 teams it's like winning watching a lot of big 10 basketball tough mm-hmm. to win tough to win in the big 10 yeah yeah definitely 100 percent,
0: 100 percent. like we go There's... to North,
1: northwestern and we win vic law plays out of his mind and we <laughs> win the craziest game on like a brad davidson shot that hit the rim about nine times
0: <laughs> yeah so 100 percent.
1: um yeah them three uh what do you think romeo goes how high
0: Romeo. So Reed, Reed hates Romeo. He was, uh, we talked about college for like all five minutes and basically half of the time was him saying how underwhelmed he was when he saw Romeo. He's so tough for me, man, because I saw him in high school and he was unreal. Like I came back from the McDonald's game. Like, yo, Romeo's in this conversation for like number one. Like I thought he was generally, he could be the top player in the country and coming out of high school and the shot just really hasn't been there. And when he's not shooting the ball well, and he's I would say he's one of the best finishers in college basketball. Like just in terms of him getting to the rim, you saw it against Wisconsin late. I mean how they gave him a right hand lane is beyond me, but I guess two overtimes you let it get to your head a little bit. But yeah, he finishes had, we had really no, well.
1: Yeah, we had no right to be in that game.
0: We just Right, a hundred percent. And but I think his mid range game is really, really good. And he from like his ceiling, ceiling, I would say, is Demar Derozan, but he doesn't—he doesn't he really have that creating ability yet, and the three-point shot needs to get better. I do think in this draft he's still a top ten pick, but me personally, I've been a little bit underwhelmed.
1: Agreed. I—I I don't know how well he translates.
0: Yeah, and so I had two under the radar guys that I've literally been preaching for on Twitter like for the past three weeks, and it's Kobe White from UNC. And he's been unr other other than that Duke game. We'll just clue that Duke game because that was really bad. That was a really bad performance from him. But he's been unreal. Had yeah. a really good game last night. He's all of six five. And I think what's really good about him for today's NBA is he can play on or off the ball.
1: Right. And I, from the couple times I've watched him, I've been really impressed and kind of confused why he doesn't get more attention.
0: Right. I mean, you, you're starting to see him slide into. I saw. Um, Sam Vicini from The Athletic had him at 18 in his last big board. Um, Jeremy Wolf from Sports Illustrated had him at like 16 in the latest mock, but I would take him in the lottery without a doubt, 100%. Yeah,
1: there's definitely and a then
0: to And then my second guy would be Ty Jerome. I mean, talk about a guy who just doesn't pass any kind of eye test whatsoever, <laughs> but he's been a killer on the court this year. I mean, and you look at his numbers, like, he's shooting the ball really well and like him coming off the pick and roll he's like way above average as people and people still view him as a shooting guard but I think his passing and playmaking abilities at the end of the day which is gonna is gonna make him not only in the first round conversation but maybe in the mid-20s if a team starts to fall in love with him
1: yeah well it's one of those guys where you're you're kind of you know going into the game that he's gonna have a good game like you, right. you know that you're just going to watch Ty Jerome put up however many points and he's just going to get his. But does his game translate? I don't know. Definitely an interesting debate.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely like him, though. And Kyle, I think Kyle Guy's a pro, too, just I don't know when. I mean, he certainly needs to improve his ball handling and decision-making with the ball. But in terms of a catch-and-shoot shooter, moving without the ball, he's a sneaky athlete. I know I, we said about every white guy who can jump, but he is <laughs> a really sneaky athlete. But I think they, they're they both pros along with Hunter. And I think Virginia's a really, really good team this year. And we can talk about it later in March if you end up coming back. But I think yeah. they're probably my favorite to win it all this year.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: and, yeah, if you have any last words on college stuff, spit no, it. And then we'll move on to some NBA.
1: That's all. Just the real college season just getting started. So, uh, there's a lot more to talk about.
0: For sure. And so, for the NBA, first, we can start with... I did a Twitter poll, and it was more lopsided than I thought it was because I thought I placed it at a time when Celtics fans and Celtics Twitter were really heated. But I said bigger dumpster fire, Celtics or Lakers, and the Lakers overwhelmingly won. Like, they got over three-fourths of the vote. So we'll start with them. I mean, what is going on with them? Coming off, they blew the game against the Bucks, and then the next day lose the Suns. What's going on with them?
1: Uh, you know... There was a point when we were watching Bucks-Lakers all together and Mm -hmm. the game started and, like, they were about to take the tip and we were watching and is that Brandon Ingram taking the jump? Like, (laughs) is is LeBron, is he, who's, is LeBron starting at the five? Like, LeBron was doing Brook Lopez, like, it's, what they did in the offseason was they surrounded LeBron with a bunch of guys who were supposed to be these physical, take-no-bullshit, like, guys who... Who were supposed to bully the Warriors and have LeBron have shooters around LeBron. And what happened was these mediocre guys played terribly, and mm-hmm. the Lakers have found themselves in a position where they're at nine uh nine one to nine odds to miss the playoffs, like mm-hmm. crazy um turn of events. And it's just the whole A D thing, I think, really got in the heads of these young guys and I know a lot of people have been saying this, um, but I think just hearing your name as being a possible trade target every day, like Mm -hmm. just being at, being at a job and thinking that you could be out any second is not a good environment to work in. And then to have LeBron say, and then to have LeBron say, um, if you're not thinking about basketball 24 seven, get out, like, Mm -hmm. It's the it's the similar thing with LeBron and Kyrie. They just gotta stop talking. They gotta stop mm-hmm. stop talking to the media about these kind of things. And right. And at the, at this at this moment, after getting completely bullied by Dell Demps in trade negotiations, who I that the Pelicans are a whole nother dysfunctional organization. Yeah, a whole other mess that we don't need to talk about because they're owned by a football team and their training yep. staff the football team. So that's a, that's a whole <laughs> the whole different (laughs) disaster but i think for the lakers it's it's time to take a step back and say are people gonna want to come here
0: like 100
1: like paul george didn't want to come here Mm -hmm. why would like paul george didn't want to come team up with lebron so why would any of these big name free agents want to come and come to la to this crazy dysfunctional franchise at the moment that's completely controlled by LeBron. It's just a weird situation and it's at the point right now where my favorite slogan and I think this is very true in all worlds is winning cures everything. When mm-hmm. everything's going well, nobody cares. Nobody mm-hmm. cares that LeBron's starting at the 5 if they're beating the Bucks, you know? Yep. So, um. it's, it's gotten to the point where they, either they need to start winning or they need to make a big splash over the summer because if they miss mm-hmm. the playoffs, I, this that's a complete failure. I
0: think. Yeah, I mean they're they're four and a half games back at this point. It's I don't I don't really see a roadmap for them to make the playoffs. I mean it doesn't seem like they're turning around. You lose to the Suns. That's just inexcusable. Like the Suns were eliminated from playoff contention two and a half weeks ago. Like there's just no. I don't see a roadmap for them to make the playoffs at this point. And I'm glad you brought up that LeBron quote where he was like if basketball is not your top priority, get out. While Space Jam 2 was just announced the week before that, and the video of him in the studio with 2 chains as he was a ring on the album dropped the next day after he said that quote. So that's just kind of, I mean, you hear the stuff that LeBron is a, this great teammate and great leader, and he has the magnetism and everyone wants to play with him. And I think that's really being questioned right now. I don't, Paul George was like no thank you I'll be the second fiddle to Russ and we all we talked about it at camp who who wants to be the second fiddle to Russ in Oklahoma City and it was just really on a it was that LA was so unappealing and look at him now in Oklahoma City everyone's gonna be like well PG made the right move by not going there why am I gonna force my hand at going there and I mean that was one of the topics we want to discover if they don't make this AD trade who are they getting right I don't Maybe and, Jimmy Butler because he wants to be in LA, but that's the guy you're gonna bring in—the guy who can't fit anywhere. You're gonna bring him into this mess. I, I don't know. I I
1: think um, you look at the teams above LA in the Western Conference playoff race. You see, mm-hmm. you see. I know you love Sacramento. Yeah. Um, they're probably. I don't know if they're gonna make the playoffs. I think it all depends on if the Clippers start losing. But yeah. Um. I. I think. I mean obviously if LA gets in as like an 8 that Warriors matchup would be very entertaining mm-hmm. still but yeah I think I think it's just at this point if they're not going to make the playoffs and they're going to go into the off season with the Celtics now vying for AD um mm-hmm. in that trade and just there are a lot of free agents but it's kind of the same thing with the Knicks like Yes, there are a lot of free agents, but who is realistically coming you know yep like no the Knicks you're not getting clay you're not you're not getting yep. these dream scenario kind of guys are you maybe gonna end up with kemba and Tobias possibly like mm-hmm. so it's it's gotten to the point where are the Lakers going to pay a a borderline all star which these guys are now getting max contracts or mm-hmm. are you gonna give a max to a Young borderline all star, or are you gonna do the same thing you did this year with character guys on one year deals? It's Mm -hmm. it's really a tough, a tough, um, place that they're in right now. But in the end, I do think it's a combination of a Jimmy Butler type, and like some ten to ten to twelve million dollar range, like good role players that they end Mm -hmm. up signing in free agency to kind of rebuild around LeBron and. Um, put this team into kind of like the mold that magic and those guys wanted to be in
0: yeah i mean the celtics being an absolute dumpster fire definitely doesn't help the lakers cause because i think that makes them more inclined than ever to try to go get anthony davis if let's say the lakers throw that same offer on the table well they can't they don't have zubach anymore they go lonzo kuzma ingram and then they throw in Hart with a couple picks for anthony davis Is that team even competitive for a champ? I don't think that team's even competing for a championship. I think you have LeBron, who clearly, I mean, look, we can say he's tanking and saving himself for the playoffs, but at this point, there is no playoffs. And LeBron is not the best player in the league right now, whether we want to keep pretending he is or not. He's not the best player in the league right now. So then you have LeBron, Anthony Davis, superstar, one of the best big men of all time, but then who else? Like, we're running into that same expiring they don't even have a young guys anymore. They're just going to have to sign some expiring guys. So, again, I don't I don't know what Magic and Plink are going to do. I think they're in an insanely tough spot right now.
1: Um, yes, and in the end, they do still have LeBron. So right. um, I think as much crap as he gets recently, he's still one of the best ever at knowing how to build a roster around what works for him um, mm-hmm. and knowing what works for his style. Um, You look at the guys he played with in Miami, <laughs> the Mike Miller types, the Batty A types, those kind of guys, and they won a championship. So I think giving LeBron a full offseason to kind of be already on the Lakers and have mm-hmm. a free open slate for free agency, um, I definitely think they're going to end up figuring something out.
0: Right. And but like we talked, if they do make if they do miss the playoffs, which seems like the likely scenario at this point, we can kind of pencil in that Luke Walton's going to get fired. What are your thoughts on that? Because I think I think, I think it's fired. completely unfair. I think he's I know. Fired. I know. I think I think we both know he's getting fired. But do you think he is? Do you think he deserves to be the scapegoat?
1: Um, like whenever a head coach gets fired, I usually it's not fair. Um. Mm-hmm that they're getting fired because it's maybe the rosters not built the right way and the players didn't buy into the culture just i i think that Walton did not do a great job does he deserve to be fired probably not will he get fired probably and like that's just the harsh reality of the nba and professional sports where magic needs a guy he says the coach wasn't working and I think that you're going to have to get a coach in there that knows how to deal with the personalities that, Mm -hmm. um, that are in the locker room and that LeBron brings with him. I I think there hasn't really been a coach who LeBron kind of paired with and had great success besides like Spolstra. Like Mm -hmm. you look at Ty Lue, Blatt, all these guys just did not really fare well with LeBron, mm-hmm. even though the yeah, Cavs I mean, did win a championship, but yeah, what were you gonna say?
0: No, I was gonna say even even Spo was on the hot seat for a wh- for a while there right. in Miami.
1: Yeah, they they the whole that was when the word like mesh gel was like mm-hmm. the big deal on Sports Center. Like when is yep when are the Heat gonna gel? Like they're already thirty yep. games into the season. Like should Spolster be fired? I head coaching for LeBron is one of the weirdest tasks in sports and i think that they need Mm -hmm. to get a guy who lebron respects like an ex-player or something like that kind of right the ship
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree i mean like we will i'll never forget the day on sports center when the celtics beat the heat and it was like everyone expected the torch to be passed and it was like no they're not ready yet and then the heat were 500 early into the season and it was like well whose fault is this and they put on spo and he weathered the storm and now Everyone has a ton of respect for him, but at the in the beginning, I mean, I tweeted this. There hasn't been a coach that has coached LeBron since he made the decision that hasn't been on the hot seat. So that's gonna be really interesting. I just, it's so hard when they when you make this when you have your agent throw out this thing that AD wants to be traded and he puts out this list and then then it doesn't work and now he's now all twenty nine teams are on his list and then Magic and Plink are like, wait, 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 we we thought we had the upper hand and I don't know, I was reading an article on Kyle Kuzma and it was like a profile on him. And there was a quote in there and it was like, well, I've always learned to be like encouraged by trade talks. Cause that means someone wants you. Well, the flip side to that is the place where you're at right now doesn't want you. So I don't know. I just think it's a really hard situation, especially with those young guys. And the thing I would say about Luke is those guys were, those young guys were playing really hard last year. And that team was pretty good last the last year moving into this year with a good amount of momentum. And LeBron signing there expedited this timeline that I don't know if it was ready to be expedited. So that's that would be my defense for Luke.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at the, the way the Lakers played defense last year is miles better than they're playing right now.
0: Right. So yeah.
1: what's changed? I think the culture with LeBron and is it that bad where it's so toxic that guys just aren't trying as hard? I don't know, it's a really, mm-hmm. really weird situation that needs to get figured out soon so more people don't lose their jobs and just go to
0: Yeah, agreed. And so, moving, I think we got all of that out on the Lakers. I mean, yeah. this situation, they've kind of been in the same spot for the past month and a half, and I forgot who said it. Um, I'm trying to think who said it. I can't remember. I think it was Rosilla, who's basically like, they've saved their season three times now. Like... They saved their season with that Rondo shot. They saved their season some other time. And then every once you they think like once everyone starts to think, oh, yeah, they have it, then they or maybe it was Zach Lowe. Like maybe it was someone who was like, every time you they think they have it, they prove you wrong. And every time you think, oh, they're done, then they beat a good team. Right. So I don't know. They are just all over the place. But moving on to the other dumpster fire, the Celtics, Celtics are now they're two games back of the fourth seed. Pacers have somehow held their own at, at the three. And the Celtics, I mean, they're probably, the Pacers, you assume the Pacers are going to drop some games and Philly and Boston maybe sneak up in there, but it's looking likely that Boston is probably going to play the Pacers in the first round, and we know that's no easy out. What do, you, what do you think is the root of the Celtics issue so far?
1: You know, it's it's a situation where the Celtics are kind of, there was a point in time maybe last year after all the injuries where the Spurs of the East kind of like mentality around the team Mm -hmm. Brad where you get the debates, would you rather have would you rather have Brad Stevens or LeBron James to build your team around? Kind of debates were going on where the culture he was building, was it like a Spurs of the East kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And that mentality is kind of the way it works is you kind of player opinions are kind of in the dark and Everything kind of is figured out in house, and it's something mm-hmm. that the Spurs have mastered. But you look at a situation like Boston, where guys there love to talk to the media, and they love yeah. to talk. So you got guys like Marcus Morris, Kyrie Irving, and these young guys who are being influenced by all this. They don't really know what to think. And I think the root of the problem obviously, it starts with not winning games, because winning cures everything. But second of all, it's, it goes with the fact that Kyrie has this weird opinion about leadership. Have you noticed that?
0: Yeah, I. So one of my most regrettable moments on Twitter is when he. It was when he opened up that he called LeBron, and I was like, "Well, I think." And I, I was, I was like, "Well, I think this is kind of a good thing." I kind of viewed it as well. He thought he knew he was in the wrong, and yeah, was he subtweeting the other guys that like? They were young and dumb like him, but it was like, okay, what I took most of it as was this guy has never been told. He wasn't the alpha and wasn't the man since he was in high school. And now he's kind of realizing that he kind of fucked up. And so he went out and reached out to LeBron and I thought that was like a cool thing. So I quote tweeted Jeff Goodman's tweet and we were completely on opposite sides of the spectrum. And then he just replied with you are funny and basically made me look like an idiot. And then over these last, Month and a half since I tweeted that, it's just I've looked more and more wrong every time. And if I don't know, I feel like deleting your tweets is unauthentic, but that's definitely one I'd like to have back. So I I just think there's Kyrie is just every time it's the same thing with Kyrie and LeBron. Every time they talk, it's like you didn't need to say that, nothing is being gained by you saying that. And it's just the thing I have with Kyrie and LeBron is you always hear the actions speak louder than words. And they're LeBron's body language, Kyrie's body language, the stuff they're saying, they're trying to say, yeah, I'm saying this to try to be a better leader, but they're not. Like the actions, their body language on the court, they're uh, the way they're talking to people on the court. You saw the clip of LeBron, everyone's huddled up, LeBron's nowhere near the huddle, Kyrie's running off the court when he doesn't get the game winner. Like the their actions aren't backing up their words as being these leaders. So I think that that's the main issue.
1: I think I've never been one to read into the heated player reactions like on the bench, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's with the Warriors or with LeBron or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Like everyone made a big deal about LeBron when JR messed up in the finals and he was just kind of sitting (laughs) sitting on the bench. Like that's a whole different story. But Mm -hmm. I think guys yelling at each other, I've never been one to like read into that kind of thing. But in a situation like Boston, it's, it's getting to the point where it happens like every night. So yeah, the, every, the night. Warriors, every night. The Warriors, when like Steph and when Draymond and KD would yell at each other, everyone would freak out. But you have to realize this is a once in a every twenty five games kind of thing, where mm-hmm. two competitors, two of the most competitive guys in the league, who have made their money off being competitors, yell at mm-hmm. each other during a game. That that happens. It happens during pickup basketball with my friends. Mm-hmm. So. For Kyrie on the bench, it just it happens too much for me mm-hmm. for me not to think that something is like seriously wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: I completely agree with that point. Yeah. It because it first started, it was I think was it Jalen Brown? It was Jalen Brown and one of the Marcuses like shoved each other. Right. It was and this was like six weeks ago, two months ago at this point, and it was like, whoa, was well, something's wrong with the Celtics? And now it happened that happens every night. Like Someone's talking like someone's talking about someone else, like whether it's Marcus Smart talking or Marcus Morris talking about that. The young guys don't know what it takes or someone else is saying that Kyrie's not invested or we don't know what it takes. Like, I don't know. I I just I don't shouldn't I don't. It's hard for me to say that, like, one person on the team should be saying that the other guy doesn't know what it takes. We'll show him you telling the Boston Globe that isn't helping him get to where you guys need to get to win. And it's just a hard situation. I'd always been Kyrie Irving's advocate, but this team did just fine without him last year. Like he, him and Gordon Hayward were out, and Rozier and Tatum and Jalen Brown and Horford, they figured it out. And I just think we didn't, we underestimated how much impact that when you're 20 years old and you just went to the conference finals without this guy, and then he's coming back, and it's well, like yeah, now you guys got to listen to me. I'm the bo- I'm the boss here. Well, I think we kind of underestimated that. As a 20-year-old, you're kind of like, well, who do you think you are? We just did all this while you were in a suit on the bench. And I just think we underestimated that aspect of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kyrie, um, like, coming up always, like, from the same town, like, from Jersey. Mm -hmm. He's always been a guy that, like, I have kind of always, like, taken his side. It was, like, with the LeBron Mm -hmm. stuff, it was like, yeah, Kyrie doesn't need to be held down by LeBron. but now. getting to the point where Kyrie has become his own worst enemy in a way by yeah. by doing all the talking and i i think bill simmons loves to say this he loves to say that al horford is the most valuable celtic al horford mm-hmm. is averaging like 13 and what 13 and 7 or something but it's his impact off the floor and kind of the calming factor that has allowed this team to still be 35 thirty eight and twenty five. It's not like they're mm-hmm. the Lakers. It's not like Mm-mm. they're losing games at a crazy rate. But um I I think uh they're it's kind of a trouble in paradise kind of thing. Um mm-hmm. and that it'll be all like resolved by the playoffs, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean look, I don't think they're gonna get balanced in the first round. I think where they play in the second round, they're gonna give them if they don't win the series, it's gonna be a great series and look, they I think, I don't think we should count them out. I just – I think it's going to be really hard for them to recover from this.
1: No, it'll be really interesting to see how these last handful of games play out and mm-hmm. how they go into the playoffs, whether it's still drama at mm-hmm. game 82 or if it's kind of the good mindset of let's push forward and let's figure this out.
0: Yeah. And we talked about them and their part in the 80 sweepstakes. What do you think a reasonable offer is that they could put on the table? Remember, they have those picks in this year's draft, but they're a lot less valuable than we thought at first. That Kings pick is going to be, I mean, they might, if if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to be right at the top of the lottery. So that pick's not going to really be that valuable. And then it was, I think the Clippers pick, it was the Clippers pick. If it falls outside, if it falls outside the lottery, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, so those picks aren't as valuable as we initially thought, but so and then the Grizzlies pick top 8 protected which they're probably not going to get. So, should they package some of their young guys and these picks and try to make a run at AD and if they decide to do, what do you think is a reasonable offer that could compete or top the Lakers offer?
1: Um So if we're negotiating, right? Let's negotiate. Mm-hmm. I'll take I'll take the Celtics side and you could be the owner of the Saints and the negotiator for the <laughs> um my my first offer for Anthony Davis if we're do you think the Celtics resign Kyrie
0: um let's let's say they keep Kyrie right, just keep Kyrie in
1: free agency I think you pair Kyrie with AD so you keep I'm trying to keep Kyrie mm-hmm. um my offer would be. I am very, very hesitant to get rid of Tatum. Um, You'd have
0: to do it, though. They would have to do it.
1: So my first offer would be, like, around a Jalen Brown and then, like, some, I like, it's tough, like, Brown picks. And then, yeah, I guess, like, looking at the roster, it's like, if I'm not giving you Kyrie, you're not accepting anything less than Tatum, Brown. And the whole and every single pick,
0: yeah. I I do wonder if they could get away with Tatum, the Marcuses, and Rozier, or Tatum one of the Marcuses and Rozier. I don't know. Tatum, I think I think that's going to be hard with how well the Lakers young guys are playing. Right, because Ingram and have been playing very well lately. So I think this turns into a situation where you might have to give up Brown and Tatum, and do you want to do that? Yes. Yeah, so, I don't know. So
1: maybe like a. Brown, are, they, are you think they're gonna trade Hayward? Is, does he have a no trade clause? Or...
0: I don't know, but he is a really big contract that's gonna be hard to move.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a. There's, I don't think there's any trade stuff on that, but I don't know if the, especially the uh, Pelican situation. I don't think they're gonna be willing to take on the thirty plus mil that Gordon Hayward's making.
0: A hundred percent. I don't think so
1: either. And then you look at Al Horford. He has a player option for next year. Also mm-hmm. getting thirty mil which is yeah which is underrated but mm-hmm. so I think from the money standpoint you're gonna have to give Marcus smart Tatum Baines and Brown and a crap load of picks mm-hmm. you know like yeah that that would I think that would work with the money but ad is such an incredible player and such a generational talent that mm-hmm that you would have to decide if you're the Pelicans is, are we giving like, it's the same thing with baseball right now. Harper and Machado just made these crazy deals, right? But then Mm -hmm. you look at a guy like Trout coming up free agency in two years. He's due for an extension. It's not even close how how much better he is than those guys. So you look at a trade like the Kyrie trade, or you look at these past monster deals like Paul George for Oladipo, these kind of deals. Mm -hmm. How, what are you willing to give? And the Pelicans are just going to ask for more. Like you saw it happen with the Lakers offer. We want more.
0: They didn't even entertain that. No, it was, didn't even entertain it. We want
1: more. We want more first round picks. We want more cap relief. We want more young talent. Mm -hmm. And they have the right to ask for all of that. This is a guy you drafted, extended, and has been bringing you to the playoffs or close to the playoffs every year since he's been in the league. So it, it gets to the point where, you you need to know that what you're getting back in return aligns with how you see the organization going forward, and yeah, and them willing to or not willing to trade AD could shape how their team looks for the next twenty years. So
0: yeah, I mean people and people also said it could shape what city they're playing in, right? And I don't dispute that either. I don't dispute right. that. This either. This
1: is a guy AD with the third highest PR ever, like. Mm-hmm. Ever one of like it's m j. LeBron and him, so I mean mm-hmm. p r is a little misleading for some people, but I still think you have to offer something for the pelicans to be blown away for them to make this trip right,
0: yeah, and I think that was what they were hesitant to do with the Lakers. It was like what like, and Simmons has said this a million times, she's a football owner, she's gonna like, wait, so I'm supposed to trade him because. His agent said he wants out. No, he's under my contract for another year and a half. Why wouldn't I wait till I can get the best offer from the Celtics? Yeah. And I give them credit for waiting to the deadline to do this. And I, I think at the end, you do give Dell Dems credit for that. But that debacle right before the All-Star break kind of left him with no choice but to relieve Dell Dems. But I do give him credit for the way he handled that. And I think they're going to drag this on for the summer as long as they want to and make teams and force teams' hands. because they have. All the leverage they have, the player,
1: right? Like they have the as player. as
0: much. They don't want this to drag on into next year, and I don't think they will let it. But they still have all of next year to trade him. They have the guy that everyone wants, and so for people to think that the Pelicans don't have the leverage because Rich Paul decided to leak something, no, the Pelicans still have all the leverage, and I think that's something that everyone needs to keep in mind heading into this.
1: Yeah. So, so, for me, um with the Knicks trade of Porzingis. Mm -hmm. I think the Knicks are in a situation where they're playing in New York. They have a star, but what they got in return was more than just Dennis Smith. And you know what I mean? And what they got was cap relief. And for a team like the Knicks going into a summer like this in that market, cap relief is a lot more valuable than for the, than than it is for the Pelicans. And for like, what they're getting back I from will... the Mavericks isn't mm-hmm. isn't necessarily like a player who's going to change your franchise because they believe they could get players in free agency. For a, yeah. for a team like the Pelicans, there's not a lot of people who are deciding to pick the Pelicans over, over the Knicks or something like that. So it gets to the point mm-hmm. where you need to get players in return if you're the Pelicans instead of mm-hmm. just... You need players and picks. You, like, cap yep. relief isn't going to do it.
0: Yeah. I'm g- so glad you brought that up because that was going to be my final point. In the last Lakers trade rumors, like, well, the Lakers are going to take on Solomon Hill. Well, what does that do? Right. Like, no, the Pelicans aren't signing anybody. They're not going to be very good for the next two to three years. Get your young guys, let them play through their mistakes, and get your picks. So when you're bad, you have extra, or you have an extra trade, optional. Um, and I think th- that's what I think they're going to end up doing.
1: If. You are the Pelicans. Um, is there any other offer that's kind of out of the box that you would consider?
0: Um, I mean, people we people have always been saying this because we always say the trade, the team that you didn't think was going to do it, always swoops in. It happened with Jimmy Butler. It happened with Kyrie. I mean, I just don't. I don't see. I don't know. I don't see it. I think would you do the Clippers? But, who like who do you have in mind? Because I don't I don't really see anyone off the top of my head. Would you do
1: a trade revolving around Ben Simmons for Anthony Davis?
0: Mm. Would the would Philly do that? Um. Yes. Uh, who, I don't know because that when that was brought up, I was like, I'm I'm not so fast if I'm Philly, not so fast.
1: Uh, I think, I think a team revolving around Embiid and AD if you're going to build that way mm-hmm. is very hard to beat.
0: I just, yeah, it's going to be tough because I don't know how
1: realistic they, it is,
0: but here's, here's what I would say. This is, this will be my issue with that. Yep. You trade Simmons and bring in Anthony Davis and you say you want to bring back all the four guys that you currently have right now. So then let's just say you make that trade and you bring back the rest of that core. So now you have Tobias, Jimmy, and Bede, ad all tied up in a ton of cap you're not trading you're not going to flip ad for someone else you just got him you're not trading Embiid. bead tobias harris maybe you can make it work with someone but jimmy butler's trade value is not very high you basically have no cap then to sign your marquee playmaker to create for all those guys so i don't know i just i love ben simmons and i think philly is a really good thing going on right now i think they'll put something on the table but i I'd be yeah. hard-pressed to think they would put Ben Simmons and more assets to Anthony Davis, which is what New Orleans would ask for.
1: Um, yeah, I think I think the Sixers, I happen to really like the way they play. Um, mm-hmm. And I think watching them last night for a little bit, um, Tobias just kind of fits with that team. And in mm-hmm. these first couple games, you watch Tobias, and it's like in the rhythm of the game, he's getting his shots. He's a great player but I feel like the offense kind of stalls when Jimmy gets the ball. And yes, they've been making it work, but I think if they're going to keep maybe like three out of the four guys, I definitely think Tobias fits better with the team and mm-hmm. has developed into a player that's kind of perfect to put along Embiid and Simmons, the guy who can stretch the floor, make plays with the ball in his hand on either side of the pick and roll. Um, I just think I think Philly is scary in the playoffs, but it's gonna be very interesting to see how Ben Simmons plays this year in the playoffs.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I it, that's definitely something to watch out for. And one last point on Philly before we move on to some of the NBA awards. I do think, I mean, I, my first thought when they when they made the Tobias trade was, okay, they're kind of acquiring another really high level player for their run this year, but also a security blanket if Jimmy leaves. With how well Tobias has been playing. I would sooner max out Tobias and Jimmy in a second. Damn. And I do think that let's say they don't make the playoff run that they want to have. And they, you know what they've said, they're going to max all four of them, but you know what, Jimmy, we're only going to give you 25 and then someone else swoops in and wants to max out Jimmy. Cause they want to bring in an all-star and then he walks. And I think Philly would be fine with that if their playoff run doesn't go as far as they would like it to go. So I think that's also something to keep an eye on.
1: Um, Yeah. And I think, I think at the end of the at the end of the playoffs um my Eastern Conference champ is still going to be the Bucks. Um mm-hmm. even watching the Sixers, I just think the Bucs have something going right now where they have the best player in the Eastern Conference, maybe mm-hmm. in the league right now. Um and a team around him that just is put together so well and if a guy like Chris Middleton gets hot and Eric Bledsoe keeps playing the way he is. I think um, these guys are just underrated, like Brogdon and Brogdon's E.J. Really Wilson has been playing well. And mm-hmm. just, they've been signing more shooters like Miritich, Ilyasova, Pau Gasol. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and Brooke Lopez, my boy Splash Mountain, has been playing great this season.
0: He's an unreal. I think,
1: I think the Sixers are still kind of figuring themselves out and Boston might also be figuring themselves out just because of all the drama that's going on there. I think the mm-hmm. Bucs are just ready to finally make this push to the final.
0: What about Toronto? Because they're my pick, and I just think when push comes to shove in the playoffs, the defenders they have, the depth they have, just the, the variety and ways they can get the ball in the bucket, I, I think that when, when push comes to shove, that they're going to be the hardest team to beat.
1: I mean, I'd love to see a little Kawhi versus Giannis uh, Mm -hmm. game. And I think that Toronto the other night against the Blazers um, was really impressive how they closed that game out um, with Kawhi's last second shot. Mm -hmm. And I think they have the experience, but when it comes down to it, I think that a guy like Giannis in the playoffs is series changing. And I think, yeah, he did it last year without much help when it going against the Celtics, pushing them to seven games. Um, and I think that this year, they're kind of ready to um, take that next step. And I think a series against the Raptors would be very interesting. I just have fallen in love with this Bucks team.
0: Fair, yeah. I think I I think you can't go wrong with either of the two or the three. I mean, I think Celtics would be a little bit out of the box at this point, but. Between Bucks, Raptors, and Philly. Right. I mean, whichever one is your preference. I think you can't go right. wrong. So, before we close this out, just want to go through our NBA awards and, of course, carved out a nice sort probably 20 minutes if you have it, 25 minutes to go through this because this could get really, we could really end up debating this forever. I mean, so we'll start with maybe the easiest debate of the year so far, but in the recent weeks, rookie of the year has really become a two man conversation, if you will.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have a nice prop plus three hundred from the beginning of the year for Luca to win MVP with
0: yeah with Jack Adam
1: mm-hmm. and a couple of those guys. So I,
0: yeah, Max was talking about this. I don't know if he was in with yeah, you, but he told me yeah, he had it.
1: That's a joke of odds. So I'm really yeah I'm really <laughs> confident in Luca. Um, what do you think?
0: Um, I mean, I think it's the same thing. If if the season ended. A month ago, Luca would have taken MVP without a doubt, and Harden would have taken MVP without a doubt, but that's why we play 82 games. And I still think Luka has a good lead on Trey Young, but Trey has been absolutely out of his mind lately, and I don't know if you've been able to watch him.
1: Yeah, I but, saw him the other night. Um, I that, mean, he's that just...
0: That Bulls game. That Bulls game was ridiculous. And I just... I've been a huge Trey fan since I saw him on the AU circuit, and it's just... Trey just, he's still doing the things that he did in high school, and he's just doing it six feet behind, like, instead of him shooting six feet behind the high school line, he's shooting six feet behind the NBA line, and just, it's really encouraging to see all this stuff translate, and you knew he could, he was probably gonna struggle early, the ball was in his hands all the time, he was expected to create a high volume and shoot a high volume, and it took him a while to adjust to it, but man, I mean, he's been so entertained to watch, I still think it's Luca, but it's going to be close and it's going to make people, it, we wouldn't have, if we did this three weeks ago, this wouldn't be a conversation. I think It's kind of my point. I think point.
1: Trey's having a great um, little run here, but I think mm-hmm. Luca's already cemented his status as one of the games kind of must watch guys and hit, must like deal with every night because you know, when Luca takes the floor, he's going to get his. And it, mm-hmm. when he gets to that point and you're just a rookie, really impressive. But this rookie class, Luca, Trey Young, I've really been impressed by how Bagley has.
0: Bagley's been really been, good, yeah. He,
1: he was getting so much crap in the beginning of the year for mm-hmm. what not being able to shoot, not being able to use his right hand, not like all this stuff, and he's really fit well with his Kings team. And thank God his knee injury isn't that serious. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as it happened, we texted each other like, "This yeah, g- that did not this look could good. Be Bad like that would suck for Marvin Bagley." I I think, I think Lucas still walks away with the award, but mm-hmm. some guys in this rookie class have really kind of already outperformed where people thought they were going to be in the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, completely agree with that. It's been a really encouraging rookie class. And just because where I've been at since he was in high school, I feel like it's my duty every time the rookie class gets mentioned to just remind everyone that Michael Porter Jr. still hasn't played a game yet. And when he's fully healthy, I think he's going to be an absolute force in the league.
1: Um, yeah, him being off, like not playing this year, he's being forgotten about. And mm-hmm. I know you love him coming out of like high school and all that stuff. I was never as high on him, but I know that he's probably going to have a good role on that Nuggets team, which is just, it feels like anybody who dresses for that Nuggets team plays well, whether it's tory craig whether it's <laughs> tory craig,
0: craig or malik beasley yeah. i know because i knew exactly which guy you're going with yeah, that so, so i knew it's tory craig
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's the guy that i don't think on any other team he doesn't play like that but um yeah him i've been really impressed with shy Gilgeous alexander agreed um and i think the way that the clippers are playing is very under the radar than being in mm-hmm. the western conference and fully in the seventh spot for the playoff conversation without having like a true superstar is really kind of going unnoticed for mm-hmm. and I think that Shy, although he's just a rookie, has a big role in that.
0: Yeah, definitely agreed. And last thoughts on this rookie class. I need your honest thoughts on Kevin Knox.
1: Um I think still developing mm-hmm. but um I think this is a guy that makes a big leap in year two. Um, the game, especially at the beginning of the season, kind of looked a little fast for him, just watching the Knicks at the beginning. Um, but I think it's going to be good for him going into the offseason with guys in similar positions as him. So you look at guys like Trier and Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, Dennis Smith. Everybody's kind of one step away from, from – or one or two steps away from kind of getting to that next level, if you will. Like, I think there's mm-hmm. a there's a role for Kevin Knox, like, finishing out this year and then into next year where he's takes on more of a scoring load and has just more consistent outings. Like, he'll have some big nights, but mm-hmm. he'll have some big nights. Then there's also some nights where he kind of looks lost on the floor. So it's about consistency, I think, for him, and I think that's going to improve next year.
0: Yeah. I I mean I certainly hope I so. Say, he's finally I can't say I haven't been disappointed. Yeah, okay. I think I think we're on the same page. I hate calling people busts sixty games into their career, but it's definitely not been what I would have hoped to see from a score. I mean, he's shooting sixty thirty-six percent from the field, thirty-three percent from two. I mean, that's really concerning. Right. And then just the only good news about his basketball reference page is he's finally up to one assist per game. He was <laughs> hovering around point eight and point nine for a long time, but he's finally up to one. So, I mean, look in all in all seriousness, though, I do hope he takes that jump, and I do think, God forbid, we get Kevin Durant. I do think that'll help him. He doesn't he doesn't need to be taking twelve and a half shots per game right, right. now. He, I don't think he's that volume yet, but maybe it'll come. Right. And so, moving on from the rookies, who this is. I mean, this debate could go on forever. Who's your MVP right now? Giannis. Giannis? Yeah. I think... I'm with you on that. I think, I'm with you on I that. I
1: think as much as I love Harden and as much as he... what he's doing is being taken for granted, I felt the same way the second year, Russ averaged a triple-double, and it's still happening right. again this year. The way that he's doing this insane thing that would have been crazy if... But it's just, like, the recency factor and that Mm -hmm. it's happening, Um, Harden averaging this many points per game is absolutely mind-boggling. He's doing it on 25 shots a game, and Mm -hmm. out of those 25 shots, 14 of them are threes. So so, so for a guy to be averaging what he's averaging, 36.6 points per game it's up to now, is Mm -hmm. crazy, but you also have to look at it in context. Like if you look back yeah. at the Will Chamberlain stats of him averaging like fifty and thirty, yes, it's insane, but it it's it's all about the context, you know? And hey, I, I think a yeah. guy I mean a guy like Giannis, um he's shooting fifty eight percent while shooting twenty four percent from three, and in the the mm-hmm. way the league is right now, for him to still have what he's having, like twenty seven and 10, 27 and twelve with six assists on the best team in the NBA is kind of yeah. hard not to give that guy MVP. And I know it's not a, and if it's, it's not a purely numbers thing. And I think that benefits Giannis even more just because mm-hmm. there's no guy I've ever watched in person. And I've seen KD play LeBron, all the big names, Ross. There's never been a guy who's just taken my breath. Like Giannis does. He'll do things. Yeah. Where I'll just be like, Oh my God. Like, and it's, with seeing it with your own eyes, um, I've seen I've been to Bucks games like three three games this year, and he's just been outstanding in each one.
0: Yeah, I mean I I would say I tweeted like a month ago when Harden was on that tear like give him the MVP already because it seemed like he, there were how could you not give the guy who was averaging 37 points per game and you looked at the roster he was su- suiting up with it was like Austin Rivers and Daniel House like just
1: Denwell House no,
0: he had no guy. one. He <laughs> and he still had no one. Yeah, he had no. no one, and he was winning. And that was the def- ind- indefensible part to me. When if he was losing, you could say, "Yeah, he's not. They're not winning." But he was like, he was winning games playing the style. And I'm gonna give it to Giannis because I just feel like the momentum has slowed down on Harden, and it's gonna be real tough to not give it to Giannis when he's such, he's an he's a freak and. The Bucks are most likely going to finish with the best record in the NBA, which is a ridiculous jump from where they were at last year. And he's made the personal jump, and it's translated to the wins and losses. So I think it's impossible not to give it – it's going to be really hard not to give it to him. But between Harden averaging 36.6 points per game and even Paul George, he's you got to put him in the conversation now. Even Paul George doing what he's doing. Had that MVP moment with that game winning floater that literally almost touched the jumbotron. Amazing.
1: That was an and amazing game.
0: It was a ridiculous game and a ridiculous performance by Paul George. And it's just, it's a really hard race. But at the end of the day, I think Giannis has put himself just a little bit above the others. Yeah.
1: And something that really, I think, helps Harden's case is the fact that they were. 11 and 14, I think it was. And yeah, they're off to a really bad start. Utah also got off to a bad start. A couple teams off to a bad start. And Harden just goes on this absolute tear of mm-hmm. 50 points, 32 points, 47 points, 35, 35, like 40, 40, 40 every single night and willed them back with this crazy winning streak. And now they're firmly back in the playoffs. And I think that's a quality. That can't go unnoticed. The right. way that he's just kind of put the team on his back, especially with Chris Paul and Capella not being that healthy. I I think it's gonna end up going to Giannis, but really mm-hmm. love the Rockets to surprise some people in the playoffs this year.
0: Yep, I'm with you on that. And one thing I did want to talk—the point I want to make about Harden—is watching him, like you. I mean, I play for my high school still. So you played for your high school. We both play pickup. Like, isolating people and coming off pick and rolls is tiring. Like, someone just handing you the rock and being like, yeah, go get one, that's tiring. And the fact that he does that on an absurd amount of possessions, and they rely on him, that if he doesn't do that, they can't win. So, I just think it's cr- the shape he's in for a guy who's always been knocked for his athleticism and his body type. People say he's kind of chubby. I mean, like, the shape he's in is absurd, that he isos and plays. I mean, I think he's close to leading the league in minutes. He isos all the time. He literally, I mean, that unassisted streak, what was it, like close to 300 yeah, points of, crazy. that were unassisted. Just the numbers he's throwing out, it makes it at first glance so hard not to just be like, well, how is he not the MVP? Right. But once you really take a deeper look into it and see the impact Giannis has had on the Bucks and the where the Bucks are, in terms of the, with the rest of the league i think at the end of the day i think it's Giannis's trophy yeah not to lose at this point but i think he ends up taking the agree. award and so moving on the final thing we'll cover before we wrap this up our first i want to limit just the first and second nba teams i feel like the third kind of get really subjective and especially with one fourth of the season still left we'll just limit it to two so who do you have on your first team? We'll start with the first.
1: All one. right. Um my first team, I think four of the guys on there kind of locks. Um I, I think mm-hmm. you have the same. Giannis.
0: Yeah, yeah, Giannis, yeah.
1: Steph Harden, PG. Um mm-hmm. and when I yeah. get to five, um I put Jokic on there instead of Embiid. Um right. I think his numbers might not be as appealing, but all NBA um I think he the way that he kind of runs the team. And the way the ball goes through Jokic is crazy as a big man. Um, and I think the way that he's been the steadying factor um, steadying factor on a team that has been – guys have been in and out of the lineup all year, but they're still top two team in the West. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm giving it to Jokic out of a, uh, respect for what he's done this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was definitely going back and forth between Jokic and Embiid. I end up going with Embiid. I mean, Embiid's numbers are just off the charts this year. I mean, just ridiculous. And he's just made people, like, his whole beef with Andre Drummond and that, like, people are just, like, scared to go up against him. I mean, he's going to beat you up on the court, and then he's going to troll you on social media. Uh And I just think, he, like, he, I think the injury, I mean, he just got injured. I mean, I don't think he was in the MVP race. But, look, next year, I think there's a roadmap for him to be, really deep in the conversation he's at 23 points 27.3 points per game 13 half rebounds I mean his stats are off the charts the three-pointer he's shooting four game at below 30 percent which is little little it's a little turnoff but still I mean he just dominates whatever game he's in and when you watch him he's amazing to watch and he just has those moments where it's like wait this guy there's a league of everyone in the world playing basketball and he's not the best player and obviously, like, he doesn't do it consistently enough, but he shows flashes of that, and that was enough for him to earn a spot on my first team.
1: All right, yeah. And then do you want to continue with your second team?
0: Oh, yeah, I'll start with my second team. I had, so I had Dame, another spectacular year from him. I'm hoping the Trailblazers can get past the first round. I'm kind of, I like this the Trailblazers backcourt, and I'm tired of hearing that they can't get it done. <laughs> so I have Dame, Westbrook, even though I'm a huge anti-Westbrook guy, you can't dispute the triple-double, I just I think he should stop shooting threes. Just stop. Like there's yeah. no there's no reason. Um, but still twenty whatever he's at twenty one eleven and ten is ridiculous for point yeah, guard. So I have him, and then I have Kawhi and KD as my forwards, and Jokic as my center.
1: Okay. Um. So I'll start. I have Embiid on there. Mm-hmm. Um. KD.
0: Hmm.
1: Kawhi. Uh, even though he's not playing every game, I think he's he's still a lock for second team. Um, Mm -hmm. Westbrook, I think the way the Thunder are playing is just unreal. Um, Yeah. And then that fifth spot for me is really tough because I want to put Dame on there. Part of me me wants to put Dame on there. Other part of me, like, weirdly wants to put AD on there, but obviously you can't do that because of Mm -hmm. everything that's been, like, um going down with them I yeah. I think in the end I'm gonna give it to uh Dame as my fifth and it's similar to you just because of the way that mm-hmm. they're they're third in the west which is great which is crazy to think about and the way that he's producing this year is um definitely deserving of that spot um right but you look at other guys who are also as deserving like but I think the way that his team is performing just gives him the edge. Um, a guy like Carl Anthony Towns since Jimmy left, he's been having a great season. And yeah. Minnesota's four games under five hundred happens to put them in eleventh place in the West. I mean, if they were in the East, they'd like maybe be in the playoffs. Orlando's the eighth seed right now. So mm-hmm. um I I just think Dame because of how well Portland's playing.
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think that's kind of the consensus right now, but things can change. Um, I was looking at other guys that kind of could maybe slide themselves into one of those spots, and this is why eventually you have to give him the Rookie of the Year award because we're talking about him for one of the All NBA teams. Luca is at twenty-one points, seven point two rebounds, and five and a half assists. Yeah, he's only shooting forty-three and a half percent, but that's kind of similar, similar to like. Dame's numbers and Kemba's numbers, guys of high volume, the three point shooting at thirty five percent has chilled out a little bit, but is it plausible to maybe even put him in just in the conversation as one of those first three teams doing those numbers as a rookie?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough for a guy that young to make the team because, mm-hmm. like, I think the all, all NBA is so much more respect than than the All Star team, and I think. Mm-hmm. Like, an all-star all position would have been, like, a fun thing. Like, D-Wade got one. Dirk got one. Um, but All-NBA is kind of more, like, a prestigious award, so it's hard to give a guy like that um,
0: yeah. an award. I agree. I just – there is a part of me that would I, – I don't think it's realistic. No, but I'd love to see it. Also – and Ben Simmons, too. Even though his numbers are very similar to year two, he's at, like, 18, 9, and 8. Part of me would love to see him as a guard spot if people were struggling and didn't want to give it to – Like Kemba, who because they think he's really inefficient or whatever. Part of me would like to see the positionless thing kind of take over that because Ben Simmons is a point guard. Yeah. So I think I think one day we'll see it. I agree. I agree with that. I think Simmons
1: in a couple years will be a mainstay on the All NBA team.
0: I'm with you on that, man. And so thank you for so. I mean that wraps it up. If you have anything else you want to say, Um, any last words?
1: I don't know. Look out for the Wisconsin Badgers making a run into March. Um, one more thing. One, one word. What team does AD play for? First game of next year. Hmm.
0: Lakers. Lakers. You have
1: ah,
0: to. Yeah. You have to. Not that you you don't have, not that you have to, but I I can't see yeah. it any other way. I,
1: for me, for me, I this is kind of weird to say, but it
0: now leave it leave end with a bomb. Gonna, end with a bomb. It's gonna be
1: the Pelican. Gonna stay. I don't. I don't think anyone um, has the firepower for an offer that's good enough.
0: That's fair. I mean, we we brought it up, and that's even the first time I've entertained that thought process that they could just say, you know what, you guys, I'm tired of you guys lowballing me. We're gonna carry this into next yeah, why year. Why do they have to trade them? And I'm, and we'll see you again. Yeah. And we'll see you All again. All right. Thanks for having me on. Completely agree. And of I course, man. See you, you see be be soon. See you soon
1: next weekend.
0: Yeah, should be a, should be a fun right. time again. Thank you for yeah, coming on, man. Geez. Of course, man. See you soon. See you soon.